0: Hello and welcome to a Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. This is an interesting one and a different one than we've done in the past. Charlie, we've done so many features and and stories about uh, past players and and uh, acquaintances and, and things like that, but this one um, we're going to dive in and, and give folks a preview team by team in the uh, division of, yeah. of what we can expect. Yeah, absolutely, and it. It's exciting
1: for a couple for well primarily because it means we're about to play hockey, right? Right. We're not we're not looking back at someone's career, which has been awesome. It's been fantastic. I think you and I both love doing these, but it's exciting to talk about what's coming up and who we're gonna face. And it, you know, it reminds you of the rivalries that we've had, which we didn't get to experience last
0: year. Yeah. And you know, on top of that, because of what happened last year, uh, there's gonna be a lot of on on opposing teams, some unfamiliar faces. Of course, people will recall that chicago changed an affiliation last season right. with the carolina hurricanes so there are going to be players in chicago i mean there'll be a, some names that you recognize but there are gonna be a lot of new faces because they're carolina yeah. hurricanes draft picks not vegas golden knights or whoever you were accustomed to seeing the last few seasons for the chicago wolves yeah um, absolutely like, and even paid a, attention last year
1: yeah and and hopefully you did yes. uh but even on other teams
0: you know, Rockford or Grand Rapids. There's Grand be- Rapids has made a huge change. Yeah, absolutely. Gone is Joe Hicketts. Gone is Dylan, Dylan McElrath. I mean, there are so many players that have been in that lineup forever. Yeah. uh So many of these guys have either graduated or moved on to organ- other organizations. Uh, going so somewhere else. Gone to the Minnesota Wild. Dylan yeah. McIlrath is out east, you know? So um, there are a lot of changes. Iowa there too. You, you talk about the shift that they have had the last couple of years under that, Paul Fenton started, and Bill Guerin has continued. You know, right. and, yeah, um, it's it's pretty amazing. Texas, uh, the same thing over all over the place. I mean, the the one constant is change, and especially in the American and Hockey And the AHL. And, right, you you take and any- especially when you miss a year and maybe didn't pay close attention <laughs> last week. <laughs> right. you're going to be like, "Who the heck are these guys?" Yep. <laughs> yep. So this year is the year we're going to really sell programs. <laughs> because you cannot tell who anybody is without a program uh i'm, I'm kidding of or course.
1: you can use the app
0: yes i'm kidding of course but yes you might have to use the app and and yeah. find out more so uh charlie had the great idea that we should go around and, and talk with the visiting broadcasters uh the opposing broadcasters so uh over the next couple of weeks before the season gets going and the ahl opens its season on october 15th the admirals open october 16th but uh over the next few couple weeks. And and normally we drop these on a Tuesday, but they're going to be more frequent because we want to get all the previews in before the season starts.
1: Before October 16th. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: So uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll start today with uh, the two opponents that the Admirals will see most frequently this year. 14 times the Admirals will play Chicago and 14 times the Admirals will play Rockford. Making sense because they're the closest opponents. Right. Uh, of course, Chicago, the Admiral shared the affiliation last year, uh, down there in Chicago at their practice rink, but the Wolves will be back at Allstate arena. Uh, the ice hogs are making tons of changes to their arena at the, they've got,
1: and they've got it because they've got a new owner, the Blackhawks,
0: Blackhawks, exactly. So, uh, some exciting things going on. Um, not only just that hockey's come back, but, um, there, there have been a lot of changes, so okay. we'll talk about those things. Uh, we will start things off. Uh, well, well, in, in in a little bit, we'll hear from the Rockford IceHogs' excellent play-by-play announcer, Joseph Zakshevsky. But we'll start things off with our good friend, uh, the play-by-play announcer of the Chicago Wolves, Jason Shaver. And now we're joined by the voice of the Chicago Wolves, Jason Shaver. Jason, good to talk to you. How's everything going? How's uh, how's your summer off after? whatever was the ahl season last year
2: i mean i'm don't take this the wrong way because we both live in winter wonderlands but i'm sick of summer i'm ready for hockey season <laughs> we have had too much downtime and uh, great to chat with uh, both yourself aaron and charlie two of my favorite people in the american hockey league
0: when you think about last last year what What did the team, what did the Chicago Wolves, what did the American Hockey League, I guess specifically the Wolves, what did you guys get out of it?
2: Well, I think it was a development year first and foremost, which maybe doesn't always go hand in hand. The the first thing you think of when you think the Chicago Wolves, but we saw an influx of, of great talent, some of which was the Carolina Hurricanes young prospects and uh, a lot of really good Milwaukee admiral slash Nashville predator prospects. And it was an abundance of riches at a very young age. And uh, while the pandemic uh, you know, was frustrating for everyone, it was a real treat to, to watch those young players that uh, are gonna have long promising pro careers, uh, not only in Nashville, but also in Carolina. It, I mean, the, the Wolves because of the dual affiliation had just way more talent than anyone else that they faced. So it was, it was a real treat to watch. Take away, uh, Charlie, I'm sorry to
0: interrupt, but That's take right. away, take away the length of the season and the, the oddity that was a combined team between Nashville's prospects and Carolina's prospects. Um, was it good American hockey league hockey last season? Mean it, and and I, I'm, I'm using that. I, I'm thinking about, the American hockey league, you each team is going to have five veterans who are solid. I I you think in Chicago, last few years, a Curtis McKenzie type of player. Mm-hmm. In Milwaukee, a Cole Schneider type player. Uh, guys like that. That that was lacking a lot more this last year, wasn't it? It was a lot of in in the case of Chicago, it was Phil Thomasino, it was uh the Jarvis kid from Carroll. I mean, it was these yeah. young players who all the talent in the world but maybe it wasn't the gritty rugged that we're used to over the last several years
2: well you're exactly right and, and I think of a, an admiral that would qualify you know, maybe now as a that and Josh Healy you know yeah. Josh told us multiple times he, he was the only player that played in every game this year and he's like I didn't think I'd play at all because of, of my age and not being a prospect but just the way it shook out on defense he played every game I, you know I think all the the veterans that you'd normally see in Milwaukee or Chicago through Carolina and Nashville were all in the taxi squad this year. So like like a Morgan geeky came down for a little bit. We saw Rem Pitt like early in the year, not that he's a veteran by any means, but, you know, they spent such a a good chunk of the year uh, up in the NHL on the taxi squad, so no, the vet rule was not <laughs> not in effect at all, and the Wolves were a very young team because of the aforementioned, uh, you know, top prospects for Nashville and Carolina that were playing here, and I think that's maybe. The the only thing that I had questioned a little bit, you know, certainly I'd like to see Phil Tomasino and and Seth Jarvis playing in the American Hockey League this year because they probably are better than the Canadian Junior League at this uh, stage. Yeah. But you know, Jamison Reese, who will be a pro this year, or a Luke Evangelista, yeah. they might not have as much success this year as they did last year because the league as a whole was so it's much be So much better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you just look at the the Rockford IceHogs last year. I mean, they had pretty much everyone was a first year pro or kind of AHL, ECHL in between guys. And they had like 55 guys. Yeah. So (laughs) it it was a a college football team in in (laughs) Rockford last year. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the only real traditional team that we saw were the Grand Rapids Griffins that had a, a mix of, a veteran players yeah. like a Riley Barber was down for most of the year. Chris, Chris. But well, they
0: still had all those guys. Hicketts and McElrath were still there, right?
2: Yeah. So that was the really the only AHL team that that I saw last season that looked a little bit what we're traditionally used to seeing in Milwaukee and Chicago. Yeah.
1: Last year you had, uh, if it wasn't weird enough for you guys, you also had a new affiliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even, and not, I'm not even talking about the Nashville part. You had a yeah. brand new affiliation. So there's all these new players, all these new co- uh, coaches, in particular, your head coach, Ryan Warshawski, very th- well thought of young head coach, similar to Carl Taylor. Uh, so what's, why, what is, what makes Ryan so good as a coach? Is he a player's coach? I presume he is, but well, why, why is he so uh, well thought of at this point?
2: Well, I think first and foremost, he identified at a very young age that he wanted to be a coach and that was probably even before he he went to college and then he ended up uh, transferring to play a, a, a little bit more at a smaller school to even focus more on coaching. coaching. He, wow. he, he grew up uh, next to the Sullivan family, the head coach there in, in Pittsburgh and just kind of ha- has always wanted to be a coach and even as a player was observing uh, as a coach. So uh, he he is a player's coach, but I think he's also got a little bit of firmness to him as well. He, he, he is got great attention to detail, but he's also, I think the athletes that, you know, we have uh, come accustomed to in our years in the American hockey league, that has changed on, on how you approach them. So he's more of a, All right, I'm going to be tough on you in practice or the video, but I'm going to also take you out for a cup of coffee, not at the rink, but like, hey, let's go to Starbucks and and have a cup of coffee and get to know each other. So he's got the glove hands, uh, which served him well last year. And, uh, you know, it was an abundance. uh, I'm going to say this probably too much uh, today on this podcast with you of riches, but you had the entire Milwaukee Admirals coaching staff there, plus the wolves coaching staff and they divided it in half. So uh, there was a lot uh, of feedback that players got and, you know, Carl Taylor was running the power play. So even if you were a Carolina hurricanes prospect, you were dealing with Carl Taylor, if you were on the power play and, you know, vice versa. So I think there was a, a lot of coaching and collaboration that, that went on last year that I, I helped Ryan being a young coach. Sure. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah, uh,
0: I'm looking at the the Carolina roster right now. And it it kind of seems to me that they've got it set up pretty well for sending some good players uh, to Chicago. And, and last year, you had a guy you had you talk about it, uh the amount of coaches you had the amount of goaltenders you had in Chicago mm-hmm. last year between the organizations was wild and it was a guy named beck warm who came out and i think wowed I drafted, everybody right yeah and uh, and stole the job took the job grabbed the job as as the top guy i think right and then now they've added a veteran goaltender to, to help as the number three perhaps and um, I look at Podorowski, you know, if he's ends up there, if he doesn't make the, the hurricanes, mm-hmm. he seems like the, the Brandon Peary type signing that we've Daniel Carr type signing yeah. that we've seen in the past to use examples. I mean, it's um, there, there are some, there are some potential star, like some veteran stars.
2: Yeah, you're, you're still trying to kind of identify some of these hurricane prospects because we hadn't played the Charlotte checkers very often. Ironically, right. the, the last completed season, they, they wolves met them in, in the finals, but yeah, they've turned over. And I think you guys can a, a, attest to it. You know, unfortunately COVID canceled that season where you guys were at least uh, looking like you were not going to not only win the Calder cup, but at least go on a very deep run, but it's because of those REM Pitlicks and Tommy Novak's that you support, uh, you know, with the Daniel cars and you need those young prospects. So you look at like a Jamison Reese and David Cotton that got an opportunity to play last year and now will be rookies and and have a little bit more respect for the American hockey league. And then you sprinkle in, you know, if it's not Potterowski, it's going to be someone else that was with Carolina last year that that comes down And, and you have to have that mix to, to succeed in this league. You can't do it. Uh, by signing veterans. You only get five veterans and that's just not enough to win. You have to have the prospects from your your NHL affiliate to have any sort of success. And that's
0: why you you think about it and and Milwaukee has done a pretty good job of it. You find those three-year guys, right. That are right Mm -hmm. at like 190, 200 games. So they still can sneak in under that veteran rule.
2: Yeah. And I, I look back at the heyday of the affiliation you know, with the Atlanta Thrashers. And sure, you were signing Brett Sterling and, and Darren Haydar, but you also had guys like a Riley Hozoffel or a Spencer Check yeah. that were thir- three years in. Maybe they weren't good enough to stick in the National Hockey League, but three years in the American Hockey League, they were, you know, second-round draft picks. So they were pretty good players yeah. uh, that were playing that were, were non-vents and still kind of consider prospects because they were on their entry-level contract.
1: So you you mentioned him already. Seth Jarvis, number one pick of the uh, Hurricanes in 2020, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly has a, a ton of potential. They've, Carolina has a lot of plans for him. Good plans for him. Obviously, he's a number one draft pick. Is he a guy that's gonna the, that you think will be, you know, sticking in Carolina out of camp, or do you anticipate maybe him coming down for a little bit? Uh, well, and you
2: saw him for ten games or so last I was year. Say, does
0: he still have to go back? Does he have to go back?
2: Yeah, I think the Iowa Wild have a couple of defensemen that can, can actually stay because of that kind of loophole that they created this year. If you played 20 games in the American Hockey League, you don't Tomasino, have
0: to Tomasino would be similar in Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so they're going to uh, – unfortunately, he has to go back, Seth Jarvis. But he does have to go back. Okay, I'm sorry. He, he did not play enough games to, to qualify uh, to, to come to the American Hockey League. Uh, but you know he's the type of guy that just seems to slip through. If if you look at him, he's you know five nine maybe listed, very slight, but he doesn't get hit because his his vision is so good. He can anticipate yeah. and avoid all contact. He's very fast. So you know he's a guy that I would expect maybe depending on injuries and, and numbers in Carolina, but probably that guy that gets the, the 10 games in the NHL before they make a decision. Is he, is he staying is in he's the good NHL? Enough to stay up
1: there. Yeah.
2: yeah. But everything that I saw, and again, it was a much younger AHL uh, league, but he he was certainly among the top three forwards uh, with the Chicago Wolves last year, you know, right in line with Phil Tomasino, who was uh, equally as impressive and was here the whole year. And, um and, Yeah, so unfortunately, he will not be with the Chicago Wolves. And I don't think he'll ever play another Wolves game again, unless he somehow ends up on an ATO at the end of the year. Uh, actually
1: That's probably likely at the at the end. When when you when
0: you mentioned that, yeah, I I think of and it's a guy who ended up in Nashville. Now you think of Cody Glass. Yeah, a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah. And that's a, that's a real surprise to me. I, uh, you know, in the short window that we saw him on that Calder cup playoff run in Chicago, I he did was not, good. Yeah. I did not think, uh, he would have, uh, problems adjusting to the NHL. Now if you've had two reconstructive knee surgeries that certainly changes the outlook, but if you're a Nashville Predators, uh, fan, you are buying Cody glass very low and there is a ton of upside with that kid. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: So, would you, because of the new affiliation and because of how things were last year, and because of the changeover, and, and really not seeing Charlotte for the last mm-hmm. four or five years on the schedule, either team, Milwaukee or, or Chicago, in Milwaukee here, I think we have a feeling like this is going to be a good team. And, and, it, and it's right. based on Guys, there are can, a lot of players. There's, there's probably 10 players that were here two years ago when the team was that doing are Coming really back, well. yeah. Yeah. So the you Donovan's. have that familiarity I'm curious how you feel coming into this season is there the same kind of feeling is it like is it like a baseball season where it's you know we all everybody has hope on, on opening day I mean how, 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 what is the feeling like? Or can you make an educated guess?
2: Well, I'm going to go uh, on past results. And, and that is the one great thing for me personally, as a broadcaster working for the Chicago Wolves, at least on paper going into every season, the best intention is to put a winning team on the ice. And I think, you know, looking at the sign-ins and just reading, you know, some of the wonderful people that, that cover the American Hockey League on a, on a larger overview, this, the signings look good. So I think this team will be good. Uh, the coaching staff is certainly going to hold everyone accountable. And, you know, what I gathered last year from Ryan Rosofsky and Pat Dwyer and Bob Nardell is they're they're able to get the best out of the players with also not overstepping the lines where they'll quit. But the, the Wolves will be young. They've, they'll have, you know, six, seven rookies or second year pros if we're counting last year as the full rookie season for some of those guys. So they'll they'll be a little bit young, but they certainly have a lot of talent. And we already touched on the goaltending a little bit. Alex Lyon coming in who's been a number one goaltender in the American Hockey League and Beck warm. That's warm. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good one-two punch. And and the defense uh has a little bit more experience than anywhere else in the in the lineup too. So you know if you you work from the goal to defense and then out uh that at least gives you a chance to be in in, in these games. And I was going to you know, say, that's play. what, that's what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they've built a, a, a pretty good team, you know, certainly in talking with Carl Taylor and, and Scott Ford and Greg Rowell last year. I mean, there's a lot of frustration because Milwaukee is in that window right now. You have a great list of veterans and prospects that are all lining up and, and that window is still open. So it, it'll be, you know, the second week of the season, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the, the Wolves and, and Admirals renew the rivalry, and just kind of get a good benchmark, and that's the one thing Rocky Thompson, you know, the prior head coach said the last couple of years, he always wanted to play Milwaukee to see where the rules were, and I, I would think that Milwaukee, just uh, looking at rosters on papers right now, still has the leg up, that's the measuring stick.
0: I, you know, it's funny, because it isn't that long ago, and again, sticking with the goalies, it isn't that long ago that each NHL franchise had three. And then the fourth guy was an AHL contract veteran. And the fifth guy was a PTO from wherever in the, in the coast, wherever, you know, if you were in grand Rapids, you'd grab Joel Martin out of Kalamazoo or whatever. (laughs) And that's, and that's how it was. Um, Nashville has six guys. Uh, Carolina has five guys under con. I mean, it's, they're seeing the importance of having everybody together.
2: Well, and I, yeah, the NHL's changed too, right? You're not using, you know, most. There's no number ones have, anymore. Yeah, I mean, was you say Soros or Pekka Rene, the number one goal in the last two years in, in uh, Nashville? It probably depended on the week a little bit. Uh, so, and I think that's, definitely the philosophy that the Carolina hurricanes have gone with the, the last few years with Morazic and, and Reimer. And now they have two new goaltenders this year and uh, yes. Anderson and Rotman that uh, will be fighting it out. And then, you know, Alex Lyon, certainly, uh, you know, enchanted a little bit with his agent thinks he's on the cusp of being a full-time NHL himself. Yeah. So what, how do,
1: this is maybe not an, a fair question, but how do you since you, you haven't, you've never seen these prospects play, but you know, when you look at the roster, how do you expect this team to play? When I, you know, when I think of the Wolves teams of the past, it's, it's high scoring and maybe it's because my mind goes back to those dominating teams you had when you'd sweep Mm -hmm. us in the playoffs every year. Uh, But you know, where you would, you guys just high scoring fast, but also could, you know, could beat you up uh, every once in a while. Mike Hoffman sort of comes to mind. Uh-huh. I, I was actually retelling this the Mike Hoffman, Nolan, Yachman fight to my kids the other night, oh uh, it's a li- little bit it's gory a good bedtime
0: story. That's a good <laughs> yeah, right. bedtime story. I'll go to yeah.
1: sleep kids. <laughs> but yeah. how, how, how do you, ex- how do you expect? What can admirals? What can we, admirals fans expect from the wolves just on an overall level? How do you play?
2: Well, I, I think there's definitely some expectations in the defensive zone from Ryan Worsoski and that, you know, the cliches are the 200-foot game and and, right. and all that stuff. But, you know, they, they're going to emulate the Carolina Hurricanes, who certainly can score. But, uh, you know, Rob Brendamore wants them to get up and down the rink. And that's, you know, what these prospects are going to have to do because if you can't keep up in the American Hockey League, you're never going to get – called up. Uh, so I found it interesting last year in, in talking with Ryan Rostowski, it you know, you're winning games eight to two and, and he always was kind of preaching the defensive structure and Hey, you know, Ryan Suzuki needs to work on his angles or, you know, stuff like that. So sure. there's a lot of high draft picks and you get drafted high because of the offensive numbers, but there's an expectation that you need to play defense. So I, I, I think There will be the ability to to score, but you have to defend first. But they want to play up-tempo. I I think these matchups against Milwaukee are going to be fantastic because I think both coaching staffs want to play the same way. And then just in talking with them last year, they shared so much information. It'll be very interesting to see how these head-to-head matchups go because they did want to develop and they did share a lot of same philosophies know they say Carolina and Nashville play similarly so therefore Milwaukee and Chicago play similarly so the the secrets that were traded last year are going to be interesting to see who can adjust this year well and
0: and especially when you consider I mean you you start it's the second week of the season that there's back-to-back games and there's 14 total so Mm -hmm. what the what the first two three games might show is going to be way different yeah I mean it's it 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 always is the rivalry, right? But it mm-hmm. it it seems like even more so this year because of what happened last what happened year. Last year the, yeah. the, the the chess moves will be much more scrutinized this season than ever before.
2: Well and for a regular and, season game. Yeah. I mean, the last couple of years, I mean, look at the Milwaukee power play for crying out loud. Well, guess what the the, the Wolves team last year was doing? It was Carl Taylor's power play, and it's just like hmm it'll be really interesting. And one of my favorite things is, you know, that we have both been kind of fortunate with the last, you know, several years is these coaches kind of sharing some stuff with us. And Carl Taylor, the one thing that he kind of shared is off of face-off, he does not want to get in the set. If you win that face-off, he wants a quick shot on goal yeah. because yeah. you don't want the penalty killers to, to, to set. So that that's kind of interesting knowing now, if you're, you know, Pat Dwyer, the Wolves assistant coach in charge of penalty killing, what are you going to do off the face-off if the Admirals win the draw? Like, you can't get in your penalty kill set because you know a shot's coming.
3: Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. right on.
1: Th- that's the inside part of this that's going to be so unique. That's yeah. never, ever happened before. Like, yeah. it, it, I can't think of another instance where you would have two coaches working together and then against each other the next year, the very mm-hmm. next
2: year. Yeah. Uh so that's and that's two awesome. competitive coaches too at that, oh, yeah. right? They, yeah, uh... right.
1: Two guys that want to get to the NHL mm-hmm. and want to win here. Like it's uh it, it's that's it's really interesting.
2: Yeah. And, and it's amazing how well they all got together last year, which is a, a testament to, you know, the six, you know, full-time coaches, you know, whether they were assistants, and even, you know, both organizations sending down development coaches on a on a weekly basis. Not to mention the goalie coaches, it was quite a collaboration a, a year ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how you kept
1: track of everybody who you saw was actually a miracle. I, and maybe it didn't like all, all the players, all the staff, like, who's yeah. this guy? Well, he's yeah. a, you know, he's a scout from Nashville or he's a, uh, he's the skating coach from Carolina. I, I, I wouldn't even try and commit him to memory
2: because I would have no prayer. Well, I guess that maybe that was the one good thing with the COVID protocols. I was not allowed anywhere, uh, near... <laughs> anywhere close to him. So you didn't have
1: to worry about that.
2: Yeah. Just a, a, a Jersey number on the ice. And I was so thankful for uh you know the 10 admirals that were playing you know the first couple weeks because they were the only players that I had seen played before (laughs) Before. yeah
1: right you had never seen any of the other guys that's funny (laughs) exactly exactly
2: Charlie have anything else uh that's all I got Aaron Jason we're
0: looking forward to the season obviously and uh looking forward to seeing you uh and uh we'll uh it'll be a lot of fun once again
2: yeah, no, it, I mean that's the crazy thing. These teams play an awful lot, but somehow they manage to to entertain every one of those games. They're always kind of close games, which is a testament to those guys. Uh, suiting up that we get to watch. Yeah, there's no, Am- there's not an Amtrak rivalry anymore, but there might as well be. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's still prospering. It's always right here. I'm pointing to my heart. It's always right <laughs> here. That's <yeah>, <laughs> sort of where it's at. Good to see right. you, buddy. Good to see you.
0: Look forward to seeing you guys a bunch this year. That's uh, Chicago Wolves play-by-play announcer, Jason Shaver. We're joined now by the excellent play-by-play announcer from the Rockford Icehogs, Joseph Zakshevsky. Joey, it's good to see you, man. How's everything going?
3: It's great to see both you guys. It's been amazing. I know we haven't seen each other in a while, but uh, it's great to talk. ice saw hockey, Admirals hockey for the first time in a long time. So it's, it's been a, an interesting summer, a fun summer and a busy one, but uh, I'm excited to get things going again. It, it,
0: let's start with the summer. We'll get back to last mm-hmm. season a little bit, but let's start with the summer. Officially the Blackhawks have purchased the Rockford Ice Hogs. So mm-hmm. how has that changed anything, if at all, with, as it comes to, day-to-day life with within the ice hogs and, and what will it
3: change if anything when the season starts well, you know what? Uh, when that announcement was made back in April, there was a lot of optimism and excitement, not only for the line but for the community of Rockford as well. The the uh, renovation of BMO Harris Bank Center, the home building, as well as the community impact, all of that would have. So the twenty three million dollar announcement was huge. And of course, Rocky Wirtz and, and Danny Wirtz were, were in the building as well to uh, to celebrate. And then it really all kind of began as soon as last season ended and and you saw construction crews floating around the building revamping uh, the ice surface, brand new ice surface, new concrete, new piping, new everything. They're redoing a lot of the press box, So our old press box. Next time you come here to the BMO, Aaron, we're gonna be sitting in a different location. So uh, oh. it'll be a little bit different there. They're revamping a lot of the, the premium seating, the ice, the, uh, the locker rooms getting redone in, in different capacities too. And that's just phase one. Phase two uh, next summer is going to be, you know, a concourse overhaul and, and redoing the box office. And so the ice sogs and, and their building are getting a nice facelift for the first time since 2007 when the ice dogs went from the UHL to the American Hockey League. So sure. it's uh, with that coming in, I mean, it's been loud, to be honest with you. Your yeah. hammers and saws and welding machines and, especially when they're pouring the concrete and and ripping up the old concrete uh, to get to the old pipes uh yeah it was it was a loud and very dusty few weeks but and then now from a front office perspective i mean last season with with like so many organizations around you know professional sports with uh staff coming and going and furloughs and and, and things of that nature i mean when you had a skeleton crew putting on the season the blackhawks you know saw the opportunity to, to come in and, and not only help us out but at the same time build off of it and when they officially purchased the team that's when you saw the influx of staff come in a new team president uh, arrives as well uh, a new strategy for business development here in the state line community, whether it's, you know, a revamping of group sales, season ticket sales, corporate sponsorships and partnerships, uh, retention, uh, marketing, community events, and the communications and broadcasting. So there's a lot of focus, whereas, you know, you, you know, last season was maybe the exception where, you know, a lot of people were wearing, you know, 20 different hats at one point in time. Now you get to narrow it down and, and, and specify to, to your strengths. So that's a huge, huge, huge positive. And for the Blackhawks overall, I mean, it's it's a new mentality for them too, just because, uh, you know, last season was last season and and now they're moving out of, you know, that transition of of uh, previous leadership into into what they're holding now with Jamie Faulkner and and everybody at the helm with the Blackhawks organization. So it's it's going to be a great trickle down. It's something that we're still very much in the middle of. We're restaffing as we speak and and all those uh, mindsets are are being implemented on a daily basis. So it's it's been an interesting summer. It's been different. And and we hold weekly staff meetings to kind of bring us up to speed on on what's next around the come around the corner. And that's going to be pretty constant, especially throughout the year.
0: You know, Rockford is such a great market, a great American League market and and I know Charlie hears this all the time, I hear it too. Like Admirals fans love, love to, go to, to go to Rockford because it's Love to it's... go to
1: Beefaroo.
0: <laughs> Beefaroo, But they always talk about how great the fans are mm-hmm. and how uh, certainly dedicated and rooting for their team and the way Chris Toltzman has them chanting against the other team and all, all of that stuff. I mean, it's it's such a cool atmosphere. But they talk about how nice the fans are and how welcoming and and all of this stuff like there's never any fights between fans and factions and and all of that stuff. So it has to be exciting, not only for you guys in the office and with the team, with all of these changes, but I can't imagine how excited your fans are that this commitment is being made by the Blackhawks and by the the Icehawks.
3: And it's huge, and it's it's you know when when we talked to the fan base, and we were able to have fans season ticket holders come to those last three games last season uh, and and break the the empty building uh, gotcha. streak of games that we were having. I mean, you could sense that, especially after the announcement was made, and and especially the money being made not just to the team, but to the community overall. And seeing BMO Harris Bank Center, a home that they don't just see the ice on, they see you know concerts and the Globe Trotters and Disney on Ice, and and every uh, event here in town, and then re- redeveloping the downtown area, and continuing to build build off of, of a town that's really starting to make some strides of its own here these last few years, you know, especially prior to the pandemic. So it, it was a huge boost for them. And then of course, for the fans themselves, you know, not being able to go to Milwaukee last season. And then, you know, same for, I think a couple of admirals tried to come on down for those last three games as well. I mean, it, it, it's huge and you're absolutely right. It's, it's that maybe it's that Midwestern mentality of, of just getting on, you know, 43 and making the quick drive down and, and to have that commonality of, of the ice hogs and the admirals. And of course we share the common, the common rivalry with Chicago, that doesn't hurt as well when you have a common friend in that regard. So, I mean, they're excited. And I know they've been chomping at the bit. We've been, you know, waiting to get our promotional schedules together and our ticket schedules together. Our season ticket holders have been uh, contacted. Corporate partnerships have been contacted. So people are excited. It's just a matter of, you know, a couple of steps here or there, and, and we're ready to welcome everybody back inside the BMO for a new season. So, I mean, it's, people have been patiently waiting. And I know this is a positive, Positive impact for the community and and something that they're looking looking forward to. You,
1: you referenced this already uh, just a little bit, but you guys have been affiliated with the Blackhawks for you know forever now, right? Mm-hmm. But now they're now they have full ownership. Do you anticipate
3: what, what kind of changes, if any, are going to are going to take place on the hockey side? Well, and that's you know. It- that was kind of the part of the excitement too. And some fans were just like, well, wait a minute, didn't they already own the ice hawks You know, when that yeah. announcement was made just because, yeah. you know, with the previous relationship with the, you know, the city of Rockford and, and, and the community here in town. So, but as far as from the hockey ops standpoint, I mean, a lot of it's going to be, you know, in terms of like renovating the locker room, that's obviously going to be huge, but for Derek King and Mark Bernard and the hockey operations staff, I mean, for them, they're, they're kind of continuing on, what they've been doing, because Chicago's already been fueling Given that the players, side of, yeah. Of, yeah, that side of uh, of the organization. So now it's, you know, not only do they have the hockey ops side, but they have the business ops uh, to partner up there with it. So I think if anything, I think that relationship will be tighter versus, you know, the Blackhawks and their hockey operations versus the city of Rockford and the business side. So to have everybody under one umbrella pulling all on the same rope, as uh, we've gotten to know over these years, uh, it, it's going to be huge. And to have that open conversation between the two sides is is, is going to be a tremendous uh, assistance.
0: A little bit on last season. How did you get through it with, I, I joked the other day that it was like you guys had a college football roster in Rockford. It seemed like every game there was three new guys in, yeah. in the lineup. Um, as I'm looking at it now, it was just 41 players who dressed. So that's not too far off a normal season. but when it gets compacted like that and you're playing 30 games and 41 players are coming through, that's uh, that's a little intense when the locker room is like that.
3: And it was like that from pretty much day one all the way through the beginning of the season. So it's not like, you know, your Black Aces come at the end of the year, kids finish college, wrap up right there. I mean, it was pretty much from the get-go, a lot of young prospects that, you know, either weren't able to play college hockey or play their junior years. They were coming into the organization. You had guys signed on NHL and HL contracts getting, you know, rookie seasons under their belt or maybe season two or three. So, I mean, it was a crowded locker room. I remember Russ Holden, our equipment manager, and our staff, you know, I mean, there were makeshift lockers with, with the building empty. I mean, we had people out in the hallway. We had people, you know, kind of bent around the corner. And, and I mean, it, it was tight And for our equipment staff. I mean, it took the cap to them to, to have these guys coming in and out. I mean, we had different group sessions. There was two on-ice sessions for practice, um, you know, outside of game days. So, I mean, it was, it was busy, but as far as from the hockey perspective, I mean, it was great for development just because of one of those ice sessions with everybody on the ice was solely a, a developmental session. We knew that, you know, with no playoffs and, and, and you know, the rankings being what they were and, and, you know, taking personal pride in the wins and losses outside of that, it was a chance for guys to, to get used to the pro game. And the, ice, you know, you had 32 games to play, you know, starting beginning of February through May. So, you had a little bit of a stretched out schedule where you weren't playing, you know, those three and threes or four and fives or, or, you know, long bus trips to here and there. And then there was no plane trips for the ice songs last year either. So everything was kind of day of game travel and, and pretty easy to manage. So for a lot of guys, it was just a chance to maybe get that one-on-one, time with, with the development staff and with the coaching staff, they probably would not have gotten any other way than to have a season like that. So it was, it was impressive. But then for us, you know, in, in the communications world, you're, you're wondering, well, you know, well, this guy played really well last game. Like, why isn't he playing tonight? Or, you know, this guy's coming back in, why is he coming back out? And, right. and for the coaching staff, he's like, I just, he's like, I got 41 guys. <laughs> And there's only, you can only put so many on the ice at a time, you know? So it was, you know, nothing was performance, you know, based or anything like that. It was just simply getting guys the ice time because practice is one thing. And, and as we all know, you know, playing in a game is a different thing. And that's that's what was
0: so different about last season. And when we talk about the American hockey league, we talk about, um, yes, it's a developmental league, but it is, you do have a veteran influence. Rockford had a great one in Cody Franson last season. Right. Um, you know, Milwaukee has had it, I maybe mean, Rockford always has it, you know, there's, there's always somebody there, Chicago, whoever you are, they're going to have four or five guys who are real solid yeah. leaders that, uh, that are going to help. And when you have a season like that, um, and it was a, a younger league than it probably has ever been and ever will be, mm-hmm. um, it it's, it's not such a bad thing. What you said about Derek King to have that lineup rotating. We're not, you know, with all due respect to everything, we're not playing for a championship. We're not, it's, it's a younger league. Let's get out there and get some minutes.
3: And that, you know what, that's exactly what it was. And and, and for Derek, I mean, with the coaching staff, and the development staff and that many players, you needed that leadership on the ice. And I think that's where they really succeeded. You had Garrett Mitchell as the team captain. Mitchell. who came on, you know, the second half of the previous year before the pandemic arrived. So he got a full year of being the captain under his belt. But you touched my Cody Franson, who was huge for a lot of the young players and some of the prospects uh, we'll probably talk about later. A guy like Alec Regula, who got his first NHL game under his belt, but, you know, a big time prospect for the Blackhawks trying to crack the blue line. Isaac Phillips who had a, you know, a great rookie season. He was supposed to play juniors, but pandemic said, you know, otherwise. So he comes to the a he plays under a trial contract, earns, you know, an NHL contract or, you know, basically just continues. You see the physical progression that he made and the strides that he made. And now he's going to be, you know, fighting for a spot in the, on the NHL roster now. So for a guy, for guys like that, they turned to Cody Franson and I couldn't tell you, you know, in an empty building after practice, I mean, you're talking, you know, 45 minutes to an hour after practice, Cody Franson's is working one-on-one with these guys, whether it's, you know, how to receive and catch and work the blue line, how to, you know, when to pinch on ice decisions, on ice awareness, like little things that, that, uh, you know, might go unnoticed and in, in, in some video sessions, unless you really slow it down and see where players are, are looking and, and analyzing Cody was, was, was monstrous for that. And, and that's why he was the team MVP. That's why he, you know, was, was, huge in helping out so many of the ice hogs uh especially on the defensive side but as a team overall and to have him take that role on whereas the first time he was with the organization a couple of years prior he was still that guy that was trying to fight to get back to the national hockey league this year he would be the first to admit that he you know he had embraced what he was expe- you know what was expected of him and that was to show the way for a lot of these young guys who are now you know on the cusp if not full-time NHLers already so there's a, there's a lot of buzz this year for the Blackhawks. A lot of people mm-hmm. think they're going to be like the sort of
1: they had a better year than they thought last year, tailed off at the end. But you know, signing Seth Jones, uh, and, and so what or kind of
0: Tyler Johnson and yeah, right, right, young.
1: and and, and getting getting Jonathan Taves back, uh, so and a healthy
0: Kirby
3: Doc and yeah, and a healthy
1: Kirby Doc, right? You'd love to maybe he could maybe he could do some rehab games in Rockford, huh? That that would certainly be nice.
3: That would be um, amazing to have him back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, so what's the, what's the outlook for, for the ice hogs? You know, last year it's, you hate to, you can't even look at last year, right? Because it was such, you had such a, like you're mentioning, like, you know, Derek King, he didn't have a choice. He's got to play these guys and, and rotate them through. So it's tough to look at records from last year and two years ago in the minor leagues is an, an eternity. So what's, what's the outlook for the, for the Hawks and for the, not for the Hawks, for the, uh, for the ice hogs this year.
3: Well, I mean, it, it, it is kind of like the Blackhawks. And you mentioned a lot of those big acquisitions that they had with the Jones brothers, Tyler Johnson coming in. Um, you got, you know, Marc Andre Fleury now all of a sudden. Yeah, right. B- absolutely battling, battling in net. So I mean, that kind of creates that shift of competition and and it's gonna obviously affect the Blackhawks, which will in turn affect the ice hogs. And I think sure. that's kind of the mentality going into these camps for a lot of the you know, ice hogs alum currently with chicago is you know now all of a sudden you know if you're a defenseman like an alec regula and isaac phillips you have a seth jones and a caleb jones and and those and jake mccabe who came over from buffalo you have those guys you know fighting alongside you and trying to make it you know earn their nhl spot but at the same time they're going to make everybody better around them uh you know in goal you got kevin Lonkin and colin delia cam morris who came out of notre dame and had one of the better college goalies you know in his time and in, in those ranks uh, with the Ice Hawks last year, Arvid Soderbloom, who comes over from overseas at the Blackhawks sign. So you got competition and goal. And then you put Marc Andre Fleury in the middle of that. So that makes right. that battle uh, all that better. Cool. And then, you know, the four groups you mentioned there, and like Tyler Johnson coming in, you had a couple other offseason signings. You got uh, a healthy Jonathan Taves coming back into the mix, Patrick Kane doing Patrick Kane things. So that's going to, create uh, excitement for guys like an Evan Barrett and Andre Altabar-Machian, Josiah Slavin, who joined the Ice Hockey midway through last year. Mackenzie Entwistle, who's got a couple of uh, seasons under his belt now, looking to become an NHL regular. So you got guys pushing each other, and that's what creates a good competition. And so whatever doesn't, might not work, or uh, just due to sheer roster spots and numbers in Chicago, you got whoever's coming down to Rockford hungry and anxious to get back to the NHL club. And I think that competition is going to be healthy. It's probably the most depth we've seen in all three areas of the ice in a long time for the Blackhawks organization. And, and, um, and that's going to be huge. And, and for, for the AHL contracts. I mean, you got guys that are, you know, <laughs> that battle's gonna happen on the ice hog ice as well at the BMO. And you got Dylan McLaughlin an HL contract who had an incredible year last Break, year. Breakout Isog. year last year, huh? Yeah, Ice Hog's leading scorer. And and in the words of Derek King, I mean, he's he's challenging his players to turn those AHL contracts into NHL contracts. And and Dylan's trying to do exactly just that after spending the previous year split between the uh, Indy fuel in the ECHL in Rockford. You got DJ buzz Decker coming out of juniors that really opened up a lot of eyes with not only the ice on, but the Blackhawks as well, invited to the prospect showcase and did really well in two games against Minnesota's prospects. He's trying to convert that contract. And then you got, you know, leadership that's going to help guide him all the way. We mentioned Garrett Mitchell, uh, Ryan Stanton returns to the organization, yeah. uh, for the first time. And since his first four years pro and he was out West, with uh, Bakersfield for a good couple of years as well. So you got him back into the mix to, to help lead the way. So, I mean, it's going to be great competition to watch the big club and here in Rockford.
0: You know, you mentioned the, turning those deals into an NHL deal. Chicago is one of the first teams, Chicago slash Rockford, uh, one of the first teams I can recall that signed so many guys to AHL deals. Those, those 50 contracts in the NHL, that's, that's precious space. And they have found a way over the years to cultivate some players in in that regard. They've done such a brilliant job of signing college free agents and, and whether they were placeholders for a couple of years, till draft picks came along or, Mm -hmm. you know, and Europeans, whatever it might be, they've done such a good job of getting those high end, those players to become high end players, um, and, and an asset, whether Stan Bowman trades them or, or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but it, the, Chicago is really the first team that I can recall that used the AHL contract in that way. And I, I mean, I, now it's become kind of commonplace. A lot of teams are doing it that way, but it, it's really remarkable how they've been able to do that over the years.
3: And it's been, impre- I mean, like last year point, you know, Cale Morris, you know, big 10 championship winner with Notre Dame. And I mean, he was pretty much denying everybody and everything in the college level. And when he became a free agent it was, you know, okay, well, with the Blackhawks at the time and their goaltending up in question, well, let's give Cale Morris a chance and see what he can do. Like last year, you know, he only appeared in seven games just because you had so many goaltenders in your system. But it's like, okay, you give him a taste of pro life, get him acclimated. This year can be the launch pad. And then who knows where he goes from that point on. Carson Gusevich at the tail end of last year as well was a part, you know, NCAA championship winner, you know, free agent leading score in the tournaments and with this club. And then all of a sudden, you know, he becomes a free agent. Well, land him with the Rockford ice Sonics, see how he progresses in this small handful of games, and then use his season uh, upcoming as a chance for him to showcase his skills. And you're absolutely right to use that AHL deal as a chance of like, okay, well, you know, let's see what this kid has. Give him him a year, give him a chance to work with the development staff, work with the coaching staff, meet some of the veterans, play that schedule where, you know, in junior hockey, college hockey, you hear it all the time of, you know, they play weekends only and then they're off for a week. Well, to have that, you know, what's it like to play in Iowa on a Friday night, come back to Rockford on a Saturday night and then go to Milwaukee, on a Sunday afternoon, like, what is it, what's that like? And how do you handle yourself and and how do you compose your, your preparation is, is huge. So I, and you're absolutely right. And now for guys to challenge, and then it's open, it's open communication, you know, with Derek. And and he said it numerous times and I've heard him say it to players in the locker room. He's like, listen, like I know you're on an American hockey league contract. Congratulations. You know, step one for you, but Isaac Phillips point in case, comes in on a tryout signs, an American hockey league contract, gets moving, gets his first NHL contract. And all the time continues to progress, continues to use, the opportunities in front of them, whether it was, you know, practice sessions, video sessions, one on ones with coaching staff, working with Cody Franson and then executing it in in the games and, and using those chances as well. So, I mean, the chances are there and the opportunities are there and and for players to, to leap all over. It's huge. And you're absolutely right, Aaron, to, to use the AHL and an AHL contract as that starting point has only been uh has only been prosperous for a lot of guys over the last couple of years.
0: Maybe we answered this and maybe you just answered this, but what did, is that what you got out of the season last year? Was, was those guys making a name for themselves? I mean, that's, you're not playing for a championship, right? I mean, that, that's what you get out of the season, right. And, and for coach King and, and everybody else to get to know who these people are.
3: 100%. And I mean, you know, we, as an organization and the coaching staff have mentioned numerous times, you know, it's, it's about development. Last year was about development, development. What does that mean? Well, a lot of these guys, you know, of those 41 players you mentioned there half of them were rookies, half of them hadn't played professional hockey ever, you know, let alone be a black ace on a team or have a practice with the team coming out of college, juniors, overseas, wherever. So, and it, and it you know, wins and losses, it might've reflected in that, you know, a, a slow start to the year, trying to get everybody on the same page, build team chemistry. You got this guy from college, this guy from overseas, this guy from juniors, and you throw them together, see what happens. Then you mix up the lines the next period and you mix them up again. And the next game, who knows what you got. And then as the season progressed and I was even looking at kind of that wins loss track record, but I mean, it wasn't just the wins and losses. It was power play success, penalty kill success, goaltending success overall goals against average goals for shots. Like that progression continued to improve as the year rolled along to where at the point, ice songs at the end of last season we're just starting to find that groove and starting to find that chemistry and like okay it, we needed a month and a half we needed two months and a half well, and not,
0: not to it, I, I apologize it. I apologize for interrupting but you ask any coach and they'll say it takes 20 25 games to figure out what you got exactly. and unfortunately that was the season last and then
3: year. everything is over yeah <laughs> Yeah. 32 games and you're done. And Derek King was, was very adamant about saying that, you know, for a lot of guys, it takes, you know, you need, some guys are starting from a cold start and you're trying to sprint. Whereas I think last year was that perfect combination of, you know, unfortunately the pandemic happened and it limited so much, but for a lot of these guys in terms of development and getting used to the pro game, now you almost wish that at the start of this season, the Asogs and the Blackhawks could pick off where they left off right last year like you got you know so not everybody played 32 games we were talking about earlier like guys are coming in a the lineup they played half that so a lot of them are still going to be you know under their 25 game rookie mark they're still gonna be rookies next year as well right. but they're gonna have all that experience they're gonna know what they're getting into they're gonna know what's expected of them and then at the same time they're gonna already have so much chemistry because there's not a lot of turnover it's a lot of the same faces and names that they saw from only a couple of months ago so if they can pick up where they left off last season, I think the Ice Dogs and the, and the Blackhawks organization are in a, in a pretty great spot. You
1: you mentioned him before. Kale Morris had had sort of a breakout year, mm-hmm. and Aaron and I we've talked we talked about this with uh, with Jason Shaver that, that that teams have such depth now at goaltending. Like teams are signing six legit goalies as opposed mm-hmm. to you know p- picking up a guy in an ATO. Uh, uh, you know, last time, whoever, when, yeah, if you're playing, yeah, whoever if, you get.
0: If, if you're playing in Charlotte, trying to get the guy from Norfolk to come up for the weekend. Yeah, or something. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, you, who, what's the plan for Rockford? I look, you look at the depth chart and I'm obviously signing Mark Andre Fleury or getting getting him in a trade. That's a big deal. It bumps everybody else down, but uh, I mean, certainly you've got Malcolm Subban and and who Admiral fans certainly remember from having oh, like 87 Colin saves. Colin Delia. Right. Uh, <laughs> Like wh-
3: how does this how does this all shake out in your vision? Well, that, you know what, like that's kind of the one of the areas and as much depth and excitement and competition there is in all the areas of the ice, I mean, that's going to be an interesting one just because of the addition of Marc-Andre Fleury and, and with Kevin Lonkin and having such a great year last year um, and be kind of being thrown right into the mix when, you know, Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban get chances early on. Then Kevin jumps in and like you said, Admiral fans know him well of of having to stop a gazillion shots in a game. Well, with the Blackhawks and, and the opportunities that he presented, he had to do a little bit of the same and he took it and ran with it. And for him to, to have the success he had was, was was huge. But, I mean, he's not going to be the guy that you know you can't give him a bunch of games right off the hop. you got to kind of ease him into it if, if he's indeed that next guy. So having Marc-Andre Fleury around for him, Delia, and Subban is going to make that competition even better. And then Arvid Soderbloom comes in from overseas, signing on nice. a contract with the Blackhawks. Kale Morris you mentioned, and I failed to mention Tom Auburn back in the organization for his second year of his age contract So, I mean, there's some battles and it'll be interesting to see Who's going to take the ice at the BMO? I know waivers kind of come into the mix for a lot of these guys with with like Subban and Delia and and things of that nature. So you know it could change. If if, in that regard, if if teams carry end up carrying three goaltenders again this season, just with with uh, how the breakdowns are for you know COVID testing and and preparing in that regard, um, that could open up the door for somebody to stay in Chicago. But then you still have you know, but, open opportunities here in Rockford. So it's, yeah,
1: I, I hope not like it, yeah. we, this is another thing we had discussed at length last year was how third goalies in an organization just got screwed over last year. It was basically like an empty year. Yeah, they got paid, but nobody, they didn't play because they had to just stay on, uh, on taxi squads. And so I hope, you know, for whoever it is, if it's Subban or Delia or whatever, that they actually get a chance to play and not just, uh, you know, sit at the end
0: of the bench and uh, yeah, yeah, stay two hours after practice every day.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because some guy needs to work on his uh, shootout moves. And uh, we saw a lot of that last year. I mean, Matt Tompkins was with the organization then. I mean, you had Tom Auburn, who was with us the whole time. Kiel Morris, Colin Delia came down for a rehab stint for a handful of games, too. So, I mean, there was there was a logjam in nets. the beauty of having, I guess, when you have 41 players on your roster is that, you know, if you have enough goalies to make up for it, you got two teams and, you know, enough time to scrimmage and and, and get everything done with the coaching staff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm rather curious to see how that's going to shake up and what kind of competition. And you said, you know, it's kind of funny, you Kale Morris in a breakout year and how consistent he was. He only played in seven games. He only had seven appearances last season. So to right. call it a breakout year in that limited window was huge. And that kind of goes back to, you know, taking those opportunities when you get them of, of just like okay, you know, here's this you know Big Ten champion coming out of Notre Dame with a lot of buzz around him. When we signed him as a free agent, the organization did, and and to give him those games and kind of toss him on out there and to play so well after not playing for a good chunk of the first half of the season was was huge so uh, it's it's going to be a fun battle as well as a lot of different areas on the end.
0: speaking of, of battle and every NHL team and, and Chicago they're again has done a great job the last couple of years and yes they've struggled at the NHL level the Blackhawks compared to what they were doing at the beginning of the 2010s um but they have given guys opportunities brandon hagel has gone up and seized an opportunity i mean players have gone up played at, at least a few games they've given guys spot starts here and there just to see what they can do um, going into this year because of last year in the depth. And now the, the, the additions the Blackhawks have made, I know here in Milwaukee, we like to sit and think, okay, this guy's not going to be on that. He's not going to make Nashville. So he'll be here. And we've got these AHL contracts. So we think we have a pretty decent idea of what the Admirals will look like. Give or take five guys, okay. maybe three, you know, yeah. we can probably do three quarters of the team. Can you, do you, do you feel like you can do the same with Rockford? Like you have a pretty good grasp on who was going to be a nice hog, at least in October,
3: a fair grasp. And it's kind of, it's funny you bring that up because I was talking with a few members of our staff and even with hockey operations and you, know, you create different versions, Charlie, you probably know, you create different versions of your roster of like, here's what the roster might look like with these people, these people, and you know, and then all these different groups. But I mean, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, Evan Barrett coming uh, in from Penn state last year, rookie last season, um, you know, he's trying to crack. He was kind of slated and, and buzzed about being the next guy to get that call up uh, with Chicago. What's he going to do in training camp? How's he going to perform? And and at the time of our recording and talking with you, uh, you know, the Blackhawks are starting their preseason. A lot of these guys are going to get into those games. Yeah. And that's a good test testing ground too. Andre Altibar came on strong second half of last season after coming overseas from Russia and, and getting his feet wet in the pro game and and getting to know his teammates, Josiah Slavin. Uh, left college, Colorado college coming up and then, you know, hit the ground running with an impressive goal streak to start his professional career. He's looking to make moves, but then you got guys that, you know, have have gotten some time. Like you said, spot starts and 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 time in and out of the lineup like a McKenzie Entwistle is a four. Yeah. He's got a couple of years under his belt with Rockford now trying to be a full-time NHLer. or Bodine on defense. Same thing. Couple years under his belt. Now he's trying to crack and be a steady force on the blue line with a couple of NHL uh, games. Alec Regula made his NHL debut. You got Isaac Phillips uh, in the mix too. Wyatt Kalnick, University of Wisconsin grad, yes, coming in yes. uh, coming in, and, you know, started the year with Rockford, got some time with Chicago, did really well in both situations. But now you got the Jones brothers and McCabe and everybody else in the mix. So where does a guy like Kalnick fit in? Um, so, I mean, you, you can continue to pile on opportunities for, you know, you got, again, one list of guys that, you know, okay, like if we see him, we might see him for a weekend or two or Hawks are on the road. This guy's going to get some games here in, in – uh, and Rockford or vice versa. So it, it's going to be interesting. And it wouldn't surprise me with as many transactions that happened last year of guys going to the taxi squad and, you know, five players going one way, and another five coming the other way to see something similar, especially with the youth of this team and not having to worry about waivers and, and everything like that to, to have a lot of up and downs uh, for this club. So, you know, an ice dog team you might see on Tuesday in Milwaukee might be different than the ice dog team you'll see Friday night uh, that same week at the BMO or something like that. so it's it's gonna be interesting.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. I like the fact that you can your five six seven defensemen and maybe your 11, 12, 13 forwards that you can do that with those mm-hmm. guys and give them there's nothing wrong with giving a guy 25 30 games and at both levels and and see and on top of that, see how they react when they go back to the American League and see mm-hmm. if they're going to become the best player on the ice. And, and fill their role that they need to to get back up and earn then stay uh, you know or, or if they're going D- to sulk yeah, exactly. to be the man you got to be the man you got to beat the man right and then, you know and uh, and that's 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 what you look for
3: And that's where I think the leadership is really going to come in too. I mean, with Garrett Mitchell and Ryan Stanton, Cody Franson was great about that last year. I mean, there was a, there was a point towards the second half of last season, Ian Mitchell who played 30 plus games with Chicago comes down to Rockford, you know, he's looking to find, you know, some consistency in his game and work with the development staff to come down here. And then when you walk in that locker room and here's a a player that has 550 plus games in the national hockey league level played, you know, in some of the biggest markets in Chicago, Toronto, Milwaukee, you know, so, And then, so you get this rookie coming out of college, making trying to make those first impacts. And like you said, you know, coming down to the American hockey league, the coaching staff and hockey operations all across the national hockey league, and American hockey league, that's, you know, there's no such thing now as a demotion or, or anything like that for a guy to to feel bad and and to go down to the AHL and get some minutes because, you know, what's better for your development to, to go to the American hockey league play, you know, umpteen amount of ice time, get plenty of time on the penalty kill power play five on five, put in different game situations or play in the national hockey league, get your, three, four minutes and then, you know, then report back. So for a guy like an Ian Mitchell last year to have that experience and come down to Rockford and, and, and play and, and against top talent too. I mean, he, he got some games, you know, with, against Iowa, with Chicago, the, the Wolves having two affiliates with, you know, the Admirals in Nashville and of course Carolina coming in. And I mean, he saw some top talent. So it's uh yeah, it, it's going to be great. So if, you know, the coaching staff say, you know, says, Hey, like, you won't be able to play this weekend and we won't have you slated to play this weekend, go down to Rockford. They got two home games. It's 90 miles down the road. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. You know, take it, take it as an opportunity to play a lot and and get that experience I think is, is going to be great. And I think for a lot of players and, and without naming too many names, you know, if, if they knew that they got, we're going to get the ice time and those chances, they almost, chomped at the bit to come down to Rockford and play because they knew they were going to play and they knew they were going to get the, the looks they were looking for and, and the chances to make those mistakes or those chances to build off and, and, and continue to improve. So I, uh, I'm excited to see this, this next batch, which is going to be a lot of the same players from the previous year in terms of, of rookies and, and prospects, but uh, that same mentality and excitement, I think is, is going to infuse that locker. And in,
0: in, 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 with all due respect, a better, a better competitive league than it was last season.
3: and then you're going to see that across all different organizations I mean with with Nashville Milwaukee you're going to see that in Carolina and Chicago Minnesota and Iowa I mean there's prospects galore all over the place just because of what last year brought in with players that you know you would think like we'll give them another year in junior just because of roster spaces but then you give them a couple professional games and know, okay, well, maybe this kid is ready to make the jump. Maybe right. this kid is ready. Like, okay, like, here we go. You know? So I think that's going to create competition all over the map. And not only just competition against the opponent across the ice for me, but competition in the locker room, which builds a, a lot of, a lot of friendships and, and a lot of, you know, battles in practice and a yes. lot of off ice scrimmages and, and you know things like that. So I, I, I can see that across the board for a lot of different teams. And you'll see it on the ice too, because guys are going to be hungry and they're going to be hungry to, to make the lineup. And, and, and now they know that, you know, you only you're, you're one of how many spots. And if I want that spot, what am I going to do to, to get there?
0: Yeah.
1: Charlie, anything else? No, that's, that's it. That's wonderful insight, Joey. Love yes. We really oh, appreciate absolutely.
3: it. Thank you guys. I appreciate you considering me and let me come on and talk a little bit, talk shop. Good to we, see you. Yeah, uh, Exactly. What 14, 14 times this year, right? Yeah. It's going to be quite a, quite a bit. And you know what? I'm kind of curious to see. And, and I know, to kind of go back a little bit, but like, what, what's the month of February going to be with the Olympic break and players going Good to play point. in the Olympics? And, te- and team, like, I was looking at our at our schedule of like, okay, when do the Ice Hawks play versus when are the Blackhawks? And basically, the Blackhawks bookend the month of February, and the Ice Hawks have a ton jammed right in the middle there. It's like, well, like, if there's ever a time where guys you know aren't on the Olympic team, instead of having them sit around for two and a half weeks, like, send them down. Come on down. You bring up, up like, a really interesting up. point because February is
0: the dog days. Yeah. February is a slog for people to get through. Right. And if you can add players from the National Hockey League level that'll get a chance to play and not a month or from the NHL level, excuse me, that'll get a chance to play and and not have to take a month off that that that's an interesting wrinkle you bring up there, Joey. I think that's going to be really, really neat to see. I mean, and they, you know, we, we think so much about NHL players leaving for the Olympics. There's going to be a handful of American. Oh, hockey HL, players, Absolutely. That'll go over as well and represent the Czech Republic or Slovenia or whoever it might be. So that that's going to happen.
3: Yeah. And and I, I think I carved out I think almost like eight games the way it looked. And and I'm looking here's I got the schedule right here. Yeah, like the Blackhawks, their last home their last game of February is February 2nd. They don't start playing again until the twenty-fifth. And then the Ice Hogs oh. have a chunk of time. Let me just fire up their schedule right here. Yeah, the Ice Onks have a chunk of time in the month of February. So the 5th, I mentioned. So they got the 4th, 5th, 11th, 12th, 16th, 19th, and 20th. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games of opportunities yeah. with a good chunk at home, actually. Yeah, one, two, three, four at home. And then guess who? We're going to Chicago, Milwaukee, and Grand Rapids. So we don't have so, to go too far. Sounds so. like Kirby Dock time, actually. You should get the, get the bobbleheads going right now.
2: <laughs>
1: Sign the autographs, all that stuff. I, so, I would, but, but it's. I, I would presume that it's going to be the same rules as they've had in the past for things like this. Guys on entry-level deals are and not waiver, uh, that that are that are waiver exempt. Waivers, going to be able
3: yeah. to, we're going to be able to come down and play. Yeah. And I mean, they can get the practice time in that they're looking for too. And then there was a couple instances, you know, where the Hawks played on a Thursday. Ice Hawks were playing, you know, at Milwaukee or at Chicago on a Friday. Like, you know, the players would meet the team there, you know, for the morning skates or, or for the, the pregame warm-ups. So, I mean, to have everything so close is obviously a huge benefit right now, and it's probably amplified even more so than uh, than in recent years in terms of the, the convenience and the opportunities. But, yeah, I mean, when you have a schedule like that when you know, the Hawks aren't playing – until, you know, the beginning and the end of the month, and you have two and a half weeks of, of eight games or so to get guys in and get some get them some ice time, at the very least some practice time, and just right. keep their, you know, on-ice presence available. It, it's going to be interesting across the board for all, all teams.
0: One last thing. Because yeah. this league has become so intradivisional, and you're talking, I mean, Milwaukee will play Chicago 14 times this year. Milwaukee will play Rockford 14 times this year. It's, it's going to be really interesting to watch the coaches because we ever, because it's interdivisional, every game is a four point game and these coaches, yes, they're there to develop, but they want to win and organizations want to to win and players certainly want to win. So it's going to be so interesting to watch the potential micromanaging or, or all of this stuff. Like every game is going to be a chess, a chess game. When you when you think about it with coaches, whether, you know, the defensive zone face offs, all of these things, it's going, you know, last changes, it's going to be extremely interesting to watch because of the importance of every single game this year.
1: Yeah, choosing the face off circle
0: that you get to have the
1: draw yeah, right on, or on left a, yeah. power play, right? Like, yeah.
3: that's good. Games are going to be two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> well, it could be, I mean, I'm thinking like, I'm kind of thinking between, you know, the admirals and the wool. I mean, you had Carl Taylor and Ryan Orsovsky in the same room. Right. Talking, all season talking, long. Yeah. Talking, yeah, battle talking strategy, shop. Yeah. And now they're going against each other. Well, what, you know, what better way to have a chess match than to two guys? Like, well, if, if I know he's going to do this and I'm going to do that, but then he knows I'm going to do that. So then he'll might do this. So, Oh, geez. that's right. go crazy. And then you got, and you know, it's just this, you know, you just, just get screwed into the ground.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. yeah. Get, it's, it's, it... It's a prince. It's the Princess Bride, right? Uh, yeah. you never, never start a land war in Asia.
3: Exactly, and then you got Derek King of his pedigree. That's you know just going to come in and just try and blow the doors off, and 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 he's going to want to win just with his experiences as a player and as a coach. I mean, he's he's one of the most competitive guys I've I've ever encountered. So to mix that in there too, and you got Tim Army out in Iowa that's going to yep. get all yeah. fired up with iowa's recent <laughs> success here the last couple right. of years and the in the new prospects that minnesota's deal with them you got detroit and grand rapids of course ben simon he you know don't forget about ben simon hanging no, out, absolutely. out there. Yeah, yeah. those right. guys absolutely right former so, former admiral ben simon yeah and him and Derek king have a history of coaching and playing against each other and doing all yeah. that stuff against each other so yeah there's going to be a lot of that strategy especially you know in february when you have pieces that you might not have Later on down the line, I'm just like, well, how can I not only, you know, put players in the situations that they'll excel at and develop at, but at the same time, I'm just, you know, if I have an offensive zone faceoff down by one with one twenty three left on the clock, what's the battle plan, you know, and that's going to be pretty interesting uh, to see how it shakes out.
0: No doubt. Joey, it's great to see you. Well, I uh, can't wait to see you in person here very soon.
3: I can't wait to see you guys. Great to have you back. And great to have you and see the admirals once again. And congratulations on that, uh, that fauxback logo. That's fantastic. Oh, good.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for that. Absolutely, thank you. That's Absolutely. Rockford Ice Hogs play-by-play announcer Joseph Zakshevsky. Mm-hmm. Our thanks to Joey and also to Jason Shaver, and thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed these uh, th- this podcast. We have more to come, just like this, with Manitoba, with Texas, with grand rapids and with iowa so uh still more to come uh these of of, uh, previewing our division rivals for the milwaukee admirals thanks so much for listening to this milwaukee admirals podcast